Millennials are achieving freedom with a new definition of success. Our careers, relationships, education, and even our politics look nothing like our parents. We are repapering the roadmap towards our personal goals and embracing what moves us along the way. We are adopting what works and throwing out the rest. We are tired, but not worn in our quest to get there. I'm Heather Bonaparte. I'm Douglas Bonaparte, and welcome to We Should Be Sleeping. Each week, Douglas and I explore the news and topics that keep us awake. We'll also invite guests to share the way they've done it differently to achieve a new brand of success that's authentic, unconventional, and definitive of our generation. Not ready for bed? Tune in, because neither are we. Learn more and subscribe today at WeShouldBeSleeping.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to We Should Be Sleeping. I'm Douglas Bonaparte, joined with my wife, Heather Bonaparte, for episode I, after a week hiatus, because... We were tired. Yeah, we needed a break. Even people that should be sleeping actually take their own advice every once in a while. Work has been crazy trying to live amongst a constant state of caring for your children and your day jobs and everything else and the world events. I think even our brains needed a moment to rest. So we gave ourselves that. I think. Hopefully. Anyways. Anyway, let's start this off with another round of Why My Child Cried. But. But. Consider this the remix because instead of telling you why our older child cried. What'd you do? I went to the Twittersphere. Oh. I went to the Twittersphere. It's dangerous out there these days. <laughs> it really is. Things get a little weird on there, but I put it out there to the community and I said, tell me some of the best reasons why your child cried this week. And I got some doozies. Will you turn the tables? We sure did. Okay. Shall we? What do you got? Okay. Why my child cried? Well. She needed to put on shoes before going for a walk. Kids hate shoes. You don't want things on your feet. Kids hate shoes. Rip them off. They all do. Okay. My son wanted to eat his applesauce while watching Paw Patrol instead of doing it separately. Mm. You cannot miss a second of what's going down in Adventure Bay. Quick question. Who's paying all the property taxes and tax revenue to fund that Paw Patrol gang and all their expensive equipment? I wonder this every single time. Am I the only one? <laughs> You're the only one. Okay. Okay. While mountain biking with me, she became convinced she was getting attacked by plants. Why stop there? Why stop with just plants? You can do the air. Why was air not also attacking? I mean, I get it. All right. Because I didn't have time to make her bacon before a call, Meltdown City. I would melt down if you did not make me bacon before a call, too. All I'm saying is we've consumed more bacon in the last three months than I think we've ever eaten in this house. We never made like a proper breakfast. Now we're eating bacon and like sausage. I'm making like a full-blown Sunday fun day brunch every day. I think pork consumption is up nationwide. Oh Yeah, anyway. Oh, this is a good one because I've been here before. Uh-huh. She didn't like the color bowl her strawberries were served in. Mm. I have this fear that if I use the red bowl with the strawberries, either daughter is not going to be able to find them in the bowl. (laughs) I'll be sure to take the color selection into consideration the next time I'm I'm plating my child's snack. I don't know why you're laughing. I literally make sure I don't have the same color bowl to like the fruit that I'm putting in it. And this is why our parenting styles are very different. Okay. Okay. All right. Here's the next one. Ah, yes. This week's toddler breakdown highlight was when I wouldn't let her step on my Moonstruck DVD. I don't know what Moonstruck is. It's a a movie. Okay. I believe it may have won some awards too. Okay. 
But this is why we stream our video content now. <laughs> Fair enough. But by the way, this makes me laugh because I can't tell you the number of times I have screamed at Hazel to get off my laptop. She, for some reason, likes to stand on my closed laptop anytime it ends up on the floor. Well, I'm told standing on sensitive electronic equipment is good for it. It's great for it. Okay. Right. Also, the sidewalk chalk fire truck I drew was far larger than apparently what he had in mind. In my defense, his only instructions were, wet fire truck. Yeah, Hazel's gotten quite upset when the rain came and washed away her chalk obstacle course. But like, that's a little more understandable. But what this kid did is very similar to my conflicts with Hazel about when I'm crafting for her because I'm very DIY. Like we do a lot of crafts. We do a lot of baking. Etsy store 2021. Basically, I'm a maker. If you didn't know that about me, we could talk about that another time. But like anytime something that I do for her is not up to a certain specification that she put forth before we started, it's like complete flip out and I'm like do you even realize that I'm like the only mom that is sitting down here doing this oh humble brag but let me just say this that's completely your fault you set the bar very high so anything less than your quality is going to be a big disappointment you've ruined it for yourself I'm just trying to show her that she should just be grateful for what she has be grateful that her hazel craft box that says hazel in like flowers is even you know well congratulations you played yourself I guess so all right and then of course the obvious response that somebody gave which was I think why my kids haven't cried would be a shorter list. There it is. Obviously. There it is. Kids love their crying. They sure do. (laughs) All right. I hope you got some sensible chuckles from the opener here. We're going to dive into a bit of news we woke up to a week ago on a Friday. As you may or may not know, Heather and I are loyal fans of the Gator Nation. We both went to University of Florida. We met there. And we woke up to find out... A classic college love story. Yeah. We woke up to find out that our number one cheer, called Gator Bait, got canceled. And for very good reason, too. Apparently, unbeknown to pretty much the entire Gator Nation, including Heisman Trophy winner Danny Warfel, who had a statement about this, and I'll get to that. Apparently, it alludes to something extremely racist. I'm not fully comfortable getting into the details of that. But if you can use your imagination, think about Gator Bait. And it wasn't just that. It was the imagery that was put out there. It's really unacceptable stuff. It's horrid, horrid stuff. So it's gone. And I'm okay with that. Completely okay with that. But also, on top of that, just horrified that I didn't know. How could our most Beloved beloved cheer at a football game for decades be rooted in such racist imagery and none of us ever even realized that we were saying or doing anything that could have been hurtful or harmful to someone else. Well, that's what's happening right now. And this is going to continue to keep happening as we start to take a deeper look at ourselves in the context of equality. And I think that's kind of scary. I'm going to be honest, speaking completely from the heart here. I'm afraid of past insensitive moments, not just that I may have inadvertently done, but that even, you know, the institutions that I've been a part of have supported. I just don't know. My own ignorance is unsettling to me. 
Well, yeah, when you've been sitting in a stadium of 100,000 people screaming this cheer that is tied to just unbelievable horrendousness and racism, it does hurt. It shocks you. It's all of those things. But I wanted to kind of bring out this thing that my grandpa always said, and he said the pendulum swings both ways. What do you mean by the pendulum? The pendulum of what? It could be politics. It could be social climate. It could be things like that in terms of if you swing too far in one direction, it's inevitably going to swing back the other way. And there is no doubt in my mind where we are in this environment, and this is not political left, political right, it's just directional. We are all the way out to one direction right now. In this social movement. Right. And we're specifically talking about Black Lives Matter and equality and justice. We are fresh in this stage. And because we're all the way out to either direction, pick one, that we're arguably in the most emotional and sensitive stage of making progress. That's what this is about, right? Making progress. But this is the most sensitive time. And what that means is there's going to be a little tolerance for past behaviors that were once tolerated then, but are clearly not tolerated now. So for better or worse, to your point about, oh my God, what does this mean? Heads are going to roll in a matter of speaking. So what I think needs to first take place in order to get a careful examination over these things that we're going to uncover week to week, day to day, month to month as we move forward here is we got to get off that extreme left or right of the pendulum and get a little bit closer to the center in order for us to really stop being emotional and start being rational in terms of how we want to proceed with making constructive changes that are better for everyone. Right. I think that that's ultimately the point here is that more and more of these inequities are going to pop up in our day-to-day lives. We're going to see things like, even like what's happening, have you noticed that a bunch of the animated series have had actors and actresses stepping down from when there were Caucasian people. Right. So white voice actors playing white voice actors know, playing black roles. Black roles. Right. And they're signing off. And they are stepping down from their roles because they feel it is inauthentic and that's not the right way to proceed. We're going to see more and more really constructive ways forward here that are just people accepting that maybe something that they were doing and that they thought was completely fine and maybe it was fine five or 10 years ago, is now no longer going to be the most authentic way forward. And I think that what we need to do and what we strive to do in our day-to-day lives, and we spoke about this a couple weeks ago, is just be educated and be open to change and be open to accepting things you don't know. I don't need to relish in the past too much about something I didn't know that was so offensive and terrible, but the way forward is to accept what you don't know and be open to the change and embrace the change when it happens, not complain about it, not frown upon it in any way, but just be completely supportive of it and say, I didn't know and I'm going to do better. Yeah, And I honestly think it's going to take a little time to get to a place where calmer heads will look at these things in such a way that allow us all to agree that this is what ultimately will lead us to a better future. I know that might sound cheesy, but that's what we're 
clearly trying to do here is provide a better future for all people to exist in. And Gatorbait, if that is something that has to go, and there's no doubt in my mind, but I want to bring it back to this point, for better or worse right now, in this particular moment, we're going to see things that clearly it was the right decision, and we're also going to see things that may have been the wrong decision. And as much as this might sound of like throwing my hands up there, well, what are you going to do about it? Uh, Yeah. What are we going to do about it in this instance? I guess that's your point, and that's your grandfather's point too, which is pendulum swing. They almost have to. The inertia behind a movement is what takes something very far in one direction and brings it back towards the center. Not to get political, but I think we have seen this in the extreme in our political environment as well over the last decade or so when the Tea Party emerged and now here we are. Yeah. (laughs) Here we are with Trump. I mean, this is what we've seen happen. And I think that we can take with us from this extreme one end that we are now at in this very sensitive moment. And we are going to take the best of that as we come back towards a constructive place that we can all move forward. I think what you're saying here is even what we're talking about right now could very well be an oversimplification of it, right? It's not just one pendulum. There's multiple of them with complex issues intertwined with one another that are moving these things back and forth. So, you know, we'll continue to keep our eye on it, but ultimately Gatorbait's gone and we'll continue to see things in our lives and all of our lives that... How about in college football? How about even more specifically? I mean, like... Well, yeah, we're talking geez. about we're talking about the SEC here. We're talking here. about the SEC. That's Southeastern Conference for our non-college football fan listeners. Right. I would think and I would expect and I hope we see more of this from the other colleges, which I'm going to imagine... Yeah, it's already happening. Unfortunately, may have similar issues in their history. Without a doubt. Okay. So moving on from this, you want me to do the Danny Warfel quote? If you want. Okay. So you're right. I almost left that behind. So let's read that real quick. So before we fully get off of the gator bait issue here, Danny Warfel, former quarterback, Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, national championship winning quarterback, 1996, on the day that we learned of this news, tweeted, while our country is so polarized, Let's not let our Gator Nation be divided. While most of us have had no clue of the racist history of Gator Bait, it is clearly associated with some horrific stuff. I support the move. I recommend we move on from the cheer and win some more titles for the Florida Gators. And I think he did a pretty good job of stating, you know, what needs to be done here. I commend him for saying that. And hopefully bringing some people together who may feel differently about that. Right. Because not everyone agrees. All right. Okay. What do we got for the for so, the final area? So I was reading The Atlantic this week, which I often do. And there was a great piece by Amanda Mull on why keeping a cluttered house has long been considered a little tacky, maybe a little bit weak, weak in character, even if you will. But now in the age of COVID, maybe those people are onto something, you know, maybe it's not so bad. So she compares her own desire to reduce clutter and the accumulation of things in her apartment in New York City to that of her mom and dad, who seem to have had no problem holding on to things over the years. Like she jokes about all of her mom's stale pasta sauce in the pantry. Hold up. That sounds very familiar. Oh, yes. Yeah? That gets you in the feels? My mom is the hoarder of all things, but particularly kitchen items. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Not, Not hoarding. 
accumulating. Accumulating. Right. Right. Because hoarding is like the extreme. Yeah, no, she doesn't have like old dog crates like sitting in her there, <laughs> sitting in her kitchen. There's not like a no. cat skeleton underneath a pile of newspapers. No, okay. no, no, there's not. But I did once find old salmon roe in her fridge from like that expired four years earlier. She's gonna love listening to this. So episode. one day, by the way, as an aside, I promised my mom that one day we would let her come on and like keep a running list of things that she wants to correct the record about on this podcast. She already has three or four things that she's like fact checked us on that she thinks I've said wrong and she wants to clear the record. Yep. One day that will happen. Okay. That'll be a section in itself. Anyways. Anyway, so she also happens to be somebody that comes from the school of thought of like, don't get rid of things because someday you might need them. Yeah, and on that note, you know, back to the article here, what's happening is, you know, you're getting this historical and anecdotal view of how we've actually become a cluttered and consumer-driven society. And this desire to escape from it has been aided by the fact that we now have a very super efficient supply chain that makes replacing almost anything easy and relatively affordable, which is really the underpinning of this trend in minimalism. And it's further fueled by the likes of Marie Kondo, but basically our access and the availability and abundance of things and the price points, you know, why do you got to hold on to stuff? Well, also another point she basically makes is that it is a privilege to be a minimalist, right? If you are privileged enough to keep a house that looks like maybe it was one of the Kardashians that she referred to as a house that was mausoleum-like. Yeah. I mean, like if there's something that just doesn't fit the aesthetic, even though it's something you may need, it is disposable enough that you can get rid of it. I mean, that is a pretty current and newer concept. I mean, that's just not something our parents' generation would ever do. They wouldn't get rid of a bookshelf. Yeah, a credenza. Because it, they wouldn't get rid of a credenza and all the books or like all the knickknacks on your credenza just because it didn't go with the house. That's just not something they would do. Well, they were they were thought to be hard to be replaced. Not only that, there's like family heirloom and history and all of these things that, you know, now you just like roll up to the IKEA right. and, you know, there's a Storgenstock, you know, that you can <laughs> that you can grab for $99. Right. Who needs grandma's dining room chairs when you've got IKEA's mid-century modern chairs for $7 each? It looks better. Sure, it might not be as sturdy, but it looks better in your spot. It's the vibe you're going for. It's the vibe. Right. This all sounds good. You know, this is what it was until, well, guess what? Corona hit. And that supply chain that was making things very accessible to get, or let's even think about it like this. You know, the five grocery stores you had within a five-mile radius of your home that you could just pop into and grab some milk? Yeah, that's not so easy right now. Not just that it's not easy, but it was the threat. There was a lot of buildup to this idea that there was a threat of the supply chain really being damaged. I mean, yeah, we've seen it in some household items that we're never going to be able to get back, but it was that fear at the beginning of- What do you mean I can't get two-day prime and it's now- Five it's day now prime, five days. Right? I mean, like, but but that's the point is that we are also used to the immediacy, and even a minor disruption to that immediacy caused a massive panic, which led you to believe that you needed to start gathering items again. Yeah, and as she pointed out, and in your case, all of a sudden, your mom's pantry filled with quasi-expired food items sounded like it might all of a sudden come in handy. Right, so that's what's so funny. I'm thinking back to, I mean, none of this is funny, let's be real here, but thinking back to even a couple months ago. 16 weeks ago. Right, when we decided that my mom was going to come quarantine with us for the beginning stages of this whole thing, and we basically said to her, and we've been making fun of my mom's pantry 
for years. Years. This has been going on that like I go through there and I'm always looking at the dates. I'm like, no, there's no snacks in here for me. We got fed up one time. No, hold on. We got fed up one time on a visit. <laughs> right. That you and I actually started to throw things out. We just unilaterally, like she went to the store and came back and like all of her boxes were on the kitchen floor. And we're yeah. like, all of these are expired. We're throwing them all out. And oh, now, you know, here we are. or Here we are. 16 weeks ago at the start of a pandemic. And we're like, mom. What do you got in the <laughs> Mom, what you got in the- Bring it all Bring up. it all. Just bring it all. We'll, we'll see what's there. We'll see what's there. And I'm going through it like I just found a treasure chest of like old, almost expired pasta sauce. And I'm like, it's still good. We've got a month on this one. Well, forget your mom for a second. We can do one better. Something that that hits literally closer to home. This is the ultimate example of how far full circle we've basically come, even just in the past few years, because we used to live in Manhattan. We lived in the city for almost a decade and we lived this minimalist life, right? Clutter happens fast in 400 square feet. Well, right. But like, you don't even want to even hold on to 16 rolls of toilet paper, I would say, I can't get an order from Target delivered to me. Where am I going to put Where am I putting those jumbo 40, rolls? 40 bounty I'm paper just, towels? Right. I'm just going to go downstairs to Dwayne Reed when I need six toilet paper rolls and I'm going to have six rolls. Yeah. For $4,921. <laughs> like literally, but seriously. Kind of. So when we bought our house and we were going through, the old owners left some items for us, some appliances that they thought we might want. They knew we were a young family. Well, they also didn't want to take it, you know, right, like but bulky they, and cumbersome. But I actually appreciate it. But anyway, they left in the basement a chest freezer, like a giant chest freezer. And I was like, ew. Gross. Look at this vile, giant, chunk of whatever for the record i thought it was cool but you thought it was disgusting why would we need it taking up space why would we need it how many hamburgers does one need to freeze what in the world are we doing with an extra freezer we will never need this we'll never need this because that's just not the way i live i don't keep a freezer full of like icicle meat it's just not what i do and who ordered a freezer smart on you to get this before you obviously couldn't get one but who ordered a freezer a chest freezer three weeks before i may have ordered a chest freezer on like march 20th like as this was just picking up and guess where it went right back in the footprint of the original chest freezer in the basement yep you did that we did that i'll take my share of responsibility there so i think that really kind of hits home here in terms of what we were reading in the article and looking at our own lives and you know props to you for finding these things that are one-to-one with what we're experiencing here yeah i mean i think that the lesson really is just balance yeah that's definitely the lesson and you know the more i think about it the more minimalism does not vibe with at least our understanding of millennialism or millennialdom whichever one (laughs) No, it doesn't. And, you know, if there's any theme that we keep coming back to throughout who we are in our generation, it's that. It's balance. Yeah, we shouldn't necessarily hoard every T-shirt we ever received in college or, in your case, theater from high school. And we shouldn't have pallets worth of hot sauce in the basement pantry. But I guess you could argue having a few extra cans of food And the freezer in the basement with some frozen meat might make a little more sense than just holding on to the things you need than being that, you know, minimalist. Because I guess you never know when Amazon is going to do five-day prime delivery. God forbid. God forbid. God forbid. That would be a great ending of this segment. But let me just say for the record that I wish... 
I still had all those theater t-shirts from high school and that my mother didn't turn it into one of those horrible, horrible quilts that she paid somebody to make out of all my old t-shirts. I will tell you that now in my 30s- You know, you're, you know what you're doing there. I feel seen. Why? Because you also have one of those t-shirt quilts? Oh, oh, you're going to pretend like my mother didn't take all my fraternity t-shirts and turn it into the world's <laughs> ugliest quilt? I mean, liter- both- literally the trim is- like a flower apron you would see in a, a home from 1965. So like, I think that maybe they both thought that they were doing us a favor by reducing the clutter and turning our old t-shirts into these quilts. But I kind of think we're like worse off with the quilts. Okay? Much worse. I'd rather have the t-shirts. I'd rather oh, have the t-shirts. my God. All right. <laughs> Add that to the list of the things my mom's going to want to defend herself for one day. Yeah. I'm glad we have this reoccurring theme of throwing our parents under the bus only to get grief. It's all out of love. We love it's you. all out of love. We love, love you. you guys. Love you, moms. All right. I think that's all we got for this week. What do you think, Doug? That's it. All right, everyone. Thanks for joining us again and try and get some rest. See you next time. Thank you for staying up with us and checking out We Should Be Sleeping. Connect with us on social media, subscribe to the podcast and learn more at we should be sleeping.com. We'll see you next time on We Should Be Sleeping. We'll be sleeping.